You know, Mike, normally when I, w- when I would say, you know, hey, uh, what's the best cult? Uh, you know, someone's probably going to look at you with a pretty weird face and say, uh, what are you talking about? And get away from me. But uh, we're talking Thousand Suns, so cults are in. Yes, sir, they are. I wasn't sure where you were going with that bit. I was confused for a moment, but <laughs> now all is made clear. You know, I, I got to give it a try every now and then to do a little sure, bit of sure. interesting intro. I mean, uh, as long as you're talking Thousand Suns cult, we don't need any of that emperor cult nonsense. No, no, nothing, nothing cult of the emperor at all, or cult of the wolf, or any of that crap. So, uh, so yeah, tonight we're talking about list building with the new codex. Um, so probably, uh, you know, best place to jump in is um, I'll ask the dumb question, Mike. What's the best cult? That is a complicated question. However, I uh, still think Duplicity wins uh, in terms of like general usefulness. And it, it, any list will benefit from Duplicity. So we've seen a uh, lot of people, especially in, in the competitive circles, kind of echoing that. Um, talk to me yeah. about why. So the big thing in the competitive cer- in the competitive scene is maneuverability wins games. So if you have duplicity, then turn one, you can, for instance, duplicity one unit to one quarter of the game, uh, or a quarter of the table. You can, whatever they call the dark matter crystal, another unit to another quarter of the game of the table. And now you have uh, engage in all fronts. Turn one, max them uh, for that turn. And then uh, late game, you can pull units out of combat with their power. You can um, pop things onto objectives as they become av- available. As people lose units, their screens will thin out. You can use them to pop a unit behind enemy lines and blow a, a uh, supporting character like an apothecary or some such. And the honestly, something that doesn't come up, their warlord trait is actually very good in that it happens at the start of the first battle round. So it's after the roll-off to see who actually goes first. So you've deployed your army. You can deploy as aggressively as you want to. It's like, yeah, I'm going like, to cover all the objectives turn one. It's like, okay, well, I'm going second. Use the Warlord trait, redeploy a D3 uh, Cult of Duplicity units in your army, and it's just like they got to deploy again, um, which is excellent um, for being able to counterplay your opponent and really just take advantage of terrain and such. Um, I don't really think the the relic is that special. I mean, yeah, on a 4-plus you get a command point, but you have a 16% chance to give your opponent a command point. It's okay. Um, but the, just the raw utility of the psychic power and the warlord trait mean that if you don't have a clear sort of design for your list I would generally recommend checking out Duplicity as a good first start place to look all right so let's crack this open just a little bit let's say we're going Duplicity Um, what are some of the things you think we're going to see there so the big thing I think we'll see is Teleporting the big squad of Scarabacult Terminators. So one thing they did nerf uh, Duplicity with the new Codex. 
Uh, previously, you could teleport any duplicity unit. Now it's uh, core and uh, sorry, infantry and monsters only. So that means you. I don't believe Sangor still don't get cults. So <laughs> that's correct. That that sucks. Um, so your infantry units, you're stuck with Rubric Marines, Scarable ter- Cult Terminators, and the only monster they can teleport is the Mublith Vortex Beast. Uh, I think of those three choices, the Scarable Cult Terminators are going to get the most benefit out of the Sorcerer's uh, Facade, mostly because it's the slowest moving unit that also has the most firepower and the ability to really just leverage the table. Um, I could see, for instance, some cheeky shenanigans of like teleporting the Mulith Vortex Beast into a sort of awkward position to threaten, for instance, uh, enemies uh, like sort of artillery, so things that ignore line of sight, because those things tend to sit in the back. They're usually pretty vulnerable if left alone. Um, and of course, rubrics benefit just as well. It's just. I think that the group, teleporting rubrics will be sort of a, a you're either teleporting this sort of a throwaway unit to get an objective early in the game or score secondaries, what have you, or you're doing it as sort of a an opportunity has presented itself. And that's really what duplicity is all about, is picking up on all the small, like, okay, if I take this opportunity here, it'll swing the game this way. And I think actually duplicity has a very high skill ceiling um, and to really be able to use it to the most of its potential, you really have to be good at the sort of the spacing and the flow, reading the flow of a game. Um, but m- maneuverability, like I said, it's king. Uh, if you can outmaneuver your opponent, you win. So, it sounds like things like uh, mutaliths, um, you know, maybe a demon prince because you can do that with a demon prince and see. Oh monster. yeah, demon princes are are a valid target. Yes. Um, so you've got you've got some options. I would I would imagine that demon princes and mutalists, at least one in each duplicity list, is probably going to be a staple. Yeah. So I was actually been reading through the new book uh, again today, like my fifth time or something since it's released. Um, demon prince is actually came out of this new codex very well. Um, surprisingly so. I actually didn't particularly like Demon Princes in the previous codex. I thought that as much as they were really good on sort of like in a vacuum, if you actually looked at how they worked with lists, they just always seemed like a trap unit to me. When compared to the other options for HQs. But now with we have the various relics that they can take and the ability to really customize our characters, which is a really good strength of this codex. Um, I think that they really tapped into the idea that Thousand Sons are like strongest with their the what we can do with our characters. Um, that you could take a really mean demon prince that's just like, okay, and I'm over here now and I'm killing your dudes and there's nothing you can do about it. Have a nice day. Yeah, and the the other interesting thing is the fact that your your cap on demon princes is not one per army; it's one per detachment. So Correct. it's totally reasonable for you to potentially take two patrols and grab two demon princes that way. 
Um, and if you really want to like maximize your patrol slots, uh, you take in each one, you're taking a demon prince and an exalted sorcerer, and then that opens another sorcerer, um, you know, for, for instance. And so you're really, you're getting like six characters there and two demon princes at the same time. That's not a bad place to, to start playing with some ideas. Yeah. And really your most lists are going into say two, like if you're taking a battalion, you're taking two squads of Rubik's in that battalion, most likely. So yeah. you're already, I mean, you've already met two patrol requirements. So if you can, if you can spare the two CP, that's, that's not bad. And that's really the, the only place where things start to get kind of expensive because then, you know, you're talking six characters, you want to start paying for relics and warlord traits and upgrades sure. and all that stuff. I find it that before long, you're throwing so much into each of these characters. Like if you've got six of them, even at, even if it's just hypothetically like three exalted sorcerers and three regular sorcerers, that's nearly 600 points right there in just HQ units, which is more than a quarter of your army in, in just that one area that's there. Um, not saying that that's wrong, uh, but just something to be aware of the fact that things like assassinate, things like um aboard the witch uh, they really start racking up points against you pretty quick yeah and there is uh, something you definitely need to sort of balance is how much are you wanting to sort of dedicate towards really capping out on the characters versus right um denying secondaries which is always about a very difficult balancing act so I'll, I'll pose this. There is an interesting thing I've been looking at that you can potentially do. Um, in games, or especially, we're, we're talking match play games here. We're talking the chapter approved missions is kind of our, you know, just for framing here, what Mike and I've been talking about, the, the context here. Uh, most of these are going to be those chapter approved missions, um, the standard match play, uh, you know, mission set out of the tournament pack. Um, that's traditionally what most of the games are going to end up getting played on um when you're talking about that you're you're generally looking at building for the mission and and to be able to play the missions themselves one thing i was really thinking about looking at this is the fact that most of the secondaries for thousand sons are on more of the defensive side or the defensive category. Um, so, you know, when you, if you were to say, okay, an offensive, uh, an offensive um, secondary is say, um, uh, what is it now? The one where you get each quarter. Um, um, uh, engage on all fronts. Engage on all fronts. Thank you. So engage on all fronts is an aggressive uh, or not, aggressive but offensive strategy or offensive secondary so you've got to go to the other side of the board you've basically got to you know go on offense yeah something like to the last on the flip side is a good example of a defensive um secondary where you're facing someone who has to come to you or someone who doesn't want to come to you and you know, for instance, Tau. Well, let's say Tau doesn't want to come to you. They want you to come to them and they want to shoot you along the way. Well, what if I just take something like to the last and I design my list in such a way that three characters happen to be the most expensive things in my list? Uh, so for example, a demon prince with wings uh, yeah. will cap out at about 180. 
uh, a Aramon on a disc. Now you're talking like what, 160, 170, something like that. Um, sure. And then an Exalted Sorcerer, you throw that on a disc, you give it the Kopesh, uh, you give him the uh, the Dilettante like upgrade. Or... Yeah, so, so you're already up to 170 points. Now what gets really interesting there is at 170 points, the only units that go above that are a five-man unit of Scarabacult. The, they're the one thing you get squeezed out of using. But if you look at everything else in the book, you can take one of it and you're not going to exceed 170 points. And even if you hit 170 points, you can tailor what you want to be the, 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 the third um, option there that, that gets taken. And, and the point is when you start looking at a Bore the Witch and if you design your list right, now nine points of a board the witch are in three characters in your list and to defend three characters gets a little bit easier in a game so if you want to start to play defensively you can play into some of the strengths there with with thousand suns where they can um you know not every cult has the mobility that duplicity has so you can start walking outside of outside of duplicity and into some of these other cults and maybe keep yeah. some of the, some of the secondary design in mind um, where, you know, okay, if I kill say your two rubric squads um, you, you know, that's what four, let's say I have three rubric squads. I'll just say that that's six points in a board of the witch, right? So someone will look at your list and say, well, I can max a board of the witch against you because you're near thousand suns and you just loaded about it a lot of people will just fall right into that and go for that. And you're like, great, I'm taken to the last as part of my strategy here. And there we go. And now um, I'm you, nine points of it, more than half of the, those secondary points are coming from killing those three characters. So all I basically have to do is keep, keep those alive. And that's points for me at the end of the game. So, <laughs> and with healing and all that stuff, there's, there's great mechanics for us to do that. Um, so let's, now thinking about that, let's let's tap into where I think um, the probably the second best cult, uh, or I would say in the top tier of cults here still, uh, knowledge is probably the second one in my opinion. Um, yeah. And just to set you up here, Mike, I know you're playing knowledge right now. Maybe you agree, maybe you you don't. Uh, but being able to essentially reroll ones. Uh, to wound is probably um, among the best warlord traits, and I would say goes well, right. It's, it's with, not a warlord trait; it's a psychic power. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, the the psychic power that lets you reroll wounds against a unit. So you pick an enemy yeah. unit. Any uh, uh, cult of knowledge, cult of knowledge. That shoots at it rerolls once to wound. Yep, um, <clears throat> which yeah, makes so, a really big difference um, when you're talking about you know. Yeah. For instance, contemptors, uh, contemptor dreadnoughts with the Volkites, which are really popular. Well, you're doing mortal wounds on sixes, so you yeah. want to be able to reroll those wounds, right? Yeah. So one thing that's important about cult of knowledge and the way that they le literally left it alone, as far as I can tell, is this is the only reroll we have in the codex that affects non-core units. Everything else is, is core only now. Um, so what Cult of Knowledge opens up for us, and something that really took, I think, several of my opponents aback the last time I played Thousand Suns, was the fact that you don't have to run very many, you don't have to run pure core 
like pure psychers with cult of knowledge just enough to sort of cast the power every turn for the rest of your army to make use of so a good example um i had a forge fiend in my list the last time i played and there would be occasional turns where okay well i can't spend the the point for uh, demon forge but even the ability to reroll ones off of that uh improved his uh ability to kill exponentially uh the fact that we have a the ability to increase the strength on our guns by one off of the infernal master and then spend two to add one to our wound rolls so now bolters are wounding marines on twos. You cast this, you're wounding them on twos, re-rolling ones. And then you have a, an a exalted sorcerer nearby, your unit of rubrics and caribou cults. Now they're re-rolling ones. You can get plus one to hit off of whatever they're calling prescience now. Now you're hitting on twos, re-rolling ones, wounded on twos, re-rolling ones. That's a dead whatever toughness for unit. Um, I mean, I think the only thing that would possibly survive that would be, I guess, transhuman would counter that. But yeah, that eh? that seems to be the big thing that gets in the way of almost any good shooting combo is just transhuman, uh, transhuman marines. Unless you've just got bulk fire, so things like scarabacol yeah. terminators. You just overload them with so many bullets that you know yeah. you're eventually going to you know roll some ones in there. Yeah, but even then, you're still rerolling ones. It's not like it's wasted, right? And right, it's the really the big stuff is your your bonuses to wound. Your mm-hmm. you know, there's no point when when you know your opponent's going to use transhuman. You know, unless it's a really big squad and you want to make them burn through your their their command points. There's no big point in really trying to go like I'm going to wound on twos, right? So, so yeah. you give the combi bolters plus one strength, and then you use the you know the two point you know renamed veterans of the long war strat to to get plus one to wound. So you know you stack all that stuff and two you know wounding on twos sounds great, but they're just going to counter that with transhuman. So sure, there's no point in going all in on that in that in those scenarios. Yeah, I mean it's but that's the thing; it's not always going to be the case, and so mm-hmm. if that's the sort of the full extent of if you want to stack all of your bonuses and make this thing one thing kill the Jesus out of something, it is an option against some targets. I, I think definitely with cult of knowledge, the one thing you really go in on is, um, you know, you have an exalted sorcerer. Um, you, you have the ability to obviously cast this power load up on something like contempt or dreadnoughts with Volkites or, Hellbrutes with multi meltas, or you know, alternative, alternatively plasmas. Uh, I think it's kind of you know splitting hairs which one you want to go with. I mean, both equal, equally good in different scenarios. So. Yeah, the the big thing is how aggressively you want to play it. So with the, the plasmas, you have the ability to sort of sit back a little bit and just make shots from relative safety with your plasma gun, plasma cannons. Whereas the multi meltas. You have to be a little closer, but if your opponent is playing really aggressive with their armor, well, they're going to regret it. 
And the great thing with the Hellbrutes right now is just the value you're getting because it yeah. used to be that five up in Vuln was what really kind of sold the contemptors over the Hellbrutes. And now you don't have that. So now you're kind of getting a little bit of like catch up work done by the Hellbrutes to bring them up to par with the with the contemptors were. Yeah. That they the, finally gave them the minus one damage. Yeah, exactly. And and so yeah. the the real thing I see with the contemptors now that is that is kind of keeping them in the game is Volkite. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's such a good gun right now. And frankly, my own gut tells me that at some point there's going to come a nerf there where they're either sure. going to make that more expensive, which I think is probably what's most likely to do happen, that they'll fall out of favor. And, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're in a position where it's like, hey, do I load up on a bunch of these? Um, you know, I... I wouldn't recommend it. I would wait and see. And I would probably go the Hellbrute route right now, just simply because you've got point value there. Um, you can shoot relatively well with with the Hellbrutes. Um, and then you can even put them in the combat if you want to. Um, you give them fists and, you know, if you really want, you can give them a flamer or a bolter, but you really don't, you don't have to. You, I mean, the plasma is going to do most of the work for you. So you stick them around an exalted sorcerer, so you reroll one. So even if you have plasma, you you've got a chance to save some mortal wounds there. Um, yeah. You take the Ori, um, Elgin's Ori, um, and so what that lets you do is just basically ignore any modifiers you want. So the wording on it is that I reread this today. The wording on it's great. Uh, it basically lets you say you can ignore any or all modifiers to a whole host of things like hit rolls, wound rolls, damage rolls, any of that stuff. So it basically lets you just pick and choose which ones you want to, you want to ignore and which ones you don't. So if you put presage on something or you get plus one to hit against something, um, you can choose not to ignore that and choose just to ignore the negative modifiers against it. So it'll basically let you just cut right straight through um, you know, the, the negative modifiers that are in your way against something. And then yeah. you're coupling that with the fact that you reroll ones to hit, reroll ones to wound. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. So I guess um, one thing about building these two sort of top tier cults is the, there's one unit that is now really I won't say good, but there's a meme going around about it. But the uh, flamer bomb of these uh, ten yeah. flamers, uh, oh, sorry, nine flamer rubrics and the aspiring sorcerer with the flamer pistol, and you pop, you drop them in, and it just whoosh all over something that dies. So that unit thrives in duplicity. Yes. Uh, and however, in fact, I don't think I would take personally, I don't think I would take that unit outside of duplicity. Yeah. So that's the, the one I was going to get to is that unit needs duplicity to function properly. Uh, Cult of Knowledge, you'll probably be better off simply running predominantly bolters and a, a sword per cannon, of course. Um, it's actually. I would not leave home without a sword per cannon at this point because they're so good in comparison to how they used to be. Um, and so, cults of knowledge also, I think, and I think the rest of the cults also, to a certain extent, actually benefit from bringing things like rhinos, um, in that the rhino gives you some additional mo maneuverability for your rubric brains. Um, the tables are smaller now. Um, and so things are a little more cramped. The ability to move is necessarily as valuable. 
um, in terms of like getting on the objective at all. Um, but it is a, a critical difference between playing duplicity and any of the other goals. But I would say on the rhinos, by the way, I think you made a, a good point earlier in some of the chats with, you can actually use your rhinos as a screening unit. Oh, so yeah, just, yeah. When so, you're talking about screening too, you know, yeah. Zangors and, you know, the, a lot of people just naturally d jump to taking a blob of Zangors or two 10-man blobs of Zangors to just, yeah. you know, screen stuff off. And, you know, how do you feel about that? So I, I think I've made my opinion pretty clear at several points. I despise screening units. I think if you're going to add a unit to your codex, it should be a unit that's like, okay, I'm going to use this thing proactively to do this thing that will allow me to win the game. Screening units to me are a unit that you're taking to prevent your opponent from doing something bad to you. But if your opponent isn't using, for instance, if you're playing Tau, those screening units are useless. Same thing for playing Guard, for playing most of the sort of by the book space brain chapters obviously blood angels and white scars are an exception um, black templar i guess when they get their book here in a month or two um and so those would be games where it's like okay well i'll try to use them as uh, i don't know objective secures or they'll take actions but they don't synergize well with the rest of the codex at the moment and they aren't as survivable as the extra half of a rubric squad you could have gotten for the amount equivalent points of Zengors, or I guess two rubrics for a squad of cultists. Um, I just I don't like taking a unit for that purpose. Whereas knowing sort of the, the, the beauty of being a knowing your L list very well is if you can look at the situation and say, okay, I know that that, that uh, blood letter bomb to use an example from last edition, he's going to come down and he's going to make the charge. He's going to kill the bejesus out of whatever uh, he hits. So in that case, you sort of keep your army in the center. You control where he can come down. And then the thing is, after turn one, the rhinos should have already done their job. They've allowed you to disembark and then move the extra distance to get to where you need to go to be and sort of in your turn one objective spot. And so after that, anything else that they do is gravy. So if you have a multi-melt on them, they can go around and like, ah, I'm a tank hunter. Or um, they can screen out deep strikes, uh, control objectives, any number of things. And so for equivalent points, I think the Rhino is actually the superior screening unit than a squad of Zingers. That's fair. Um, I think you could, you know, potentially make a case with Cultus and Zangors to say, look, I want to use them to do something like retrieve Octarius data or, sure. you know, in certain scenarios, go do that. But I think, again, to your point, what about in games where you're not doing that? Well, what are you doing with them then? Right. Yeah. I'm not saying that those units can't be taken to do things. Uh I'm mostly arguing the semantics of why you're taking them in the first place. Right. Um, I, I think you sh that should always be a, like, well, what if this happens? Should right. Should be sort of the, one of the last reasons you add something to your list as opposed to something that's more sort of proactive. 
Right. So what you're saying, if I'm if I'm hearing you right, is when you're when you're saying, hey, they have to have a purpose. The purpose is not a niche scenario against certain armies, right? Like yeah. I'm getting I mean, charged. The the scenario is, hey, in every game, I'm either doing this or doing this with them, right? Yeah. Makes sense. So, all right, we've got the two top cults, obviously knocked out. Do we have another cult that you want to put up in that upper bracket? So I was reading through the cults again, like I said, and Cult of Magic is still pretty good just by sheer virtue of Astral Blast. That power has aged well, and I think that the Devastating Sorcery, even the changes it's still pretty solid. Arcane Focus as a relic is actually really damn good um, with the what it does with Cabal Points. However, my personal favorite I think is actually Cult of Prophecy. Uh, the not, I don't think it's quite like up there with time with duplicity and then time. Um, but Cult of Prophecy is actually really funny um, because of the, the power is actually really solid. It gives us effectively a fate dice. Um, that's like okay, well, I cast the power on a six up. I roll a d six, and now I can trade that d six in for whatever it the, you rolled when you cast the power on any uh, hit, wound, advance, charge, psychic test, deny the witch, or morale test for a cult of prophecy unit from your army until the beginning of your uh, next psychic phase. So you roll a one. All right, well, I'm going to put that to the side, and now when I have to make a morale test, I'll use the one. Or you roll a six. Well, you can use it to almost guarantee a charge. You can use it to guarantee, like, improve your psychic test, deny the witch test. It's just that's a very useful power to have. Um, I wish it scaled a little better. The fact that you, even regardless of the sort of scale of the game, it's always going to be one dice, is a little lacking compared to like sisters, where that's their cut out. Well, one of their mini gimmicks. Um, however, I think it's actually a very solid ability. Um, Guided by Whispers is actually probably one of my favorite Warlord traits. It's just, once per turn, when my Warlord is charged, he runs away. So it's like, what? The ability to... Something that I actually saw, thought of is, okay, so you have your, your Warlord. They're close to a unit of... I don't know, Scarab Occults or something, but they're not quite close enough where you could use that stratagem to really guarantee that they'd get in if you use the thing that lets them heroically intervene. So your opponent charges you. You run him towards the Scarab Occult. Now your opponent has a choice. Do you want? Do, do they really want to get in combat with that character now? Because the Scarab Occults are going to kick his butt if uh, they actually make the charge. Um, or alternatively, just use it the way it's intended to just run away normally. So now that nine-inch charge is a fifteen-inch charge. Have fun with that. Um, in addition, the Oraculae Brace Brazier Brazier is uh, still very solid. Um, effectively, pick one Skull Prophecy Core unit. Uh, that unit can reroll one hit roll, wound roll, or dam and damage roll uh, when it shoots or fights. 
Uh, that's actually very good on a number of units. So primarily on the Hilbert, actually, because that's be a core. Uh, if you give it the like LAS missile launcher uh, combination that used to be really popular, uh, it benefits very much uh, from that relic. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I don't have much to really, I guess, counter that. I mean, it's, it's all good points. I don't know, I guess we're being pretty subjective here, but I, I don't know sure. that Cult of Prophecy is in that same bracket where, you know, with with Cult of Duplicity, for example. Oh, no, no. I'm not saying that it is. I'm saying that of the yeah. cult, nine cults we have, if I were to sort of pick one that isn't Cult of Knowledge, I'd probably pick Prophecy. So this, so we're kind of starting that next tier where it's okay. These are yeah. pretty effective here, right? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so you have cult of prophecy. I would probably put cult of mutation up there as well, um, just based on the fact that it's got another power that helps kind of restrict the enemy movement, and that's kind of a that can be a very strong thing to do. So that mm-hmm. obviously Doombolt doesn't work the way it does anymore, but we got another power that kind of does the same thing. Um, and now you're getting this power that also kind of stacks on top of that, right? Yeah. The and, actually, mutation is a very interesting um, cult in that it... So it's relic and it's warlord trait both want you to be up close in person. However, the power sort of is very good at keeping people at arm's reach, arm's length. And so it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, But it does, it's like the inverse of duplicity in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think what I was, um, where I was going was you have, um, desecration of worlds, for example. So it, it's not really inhibiting what the unit is doing from a movement standpoint, but it's giving you the ability to do mortal wounds to it. So you're you're in, you're de-incentivizing the uh, your opponent from moving or using that unit essentially. Um, and then you couple that with the fact that with their power, now you can pick another unit, and you know you're you're reducing their ability to. Um, really get around the table effectively, um, especially if it's something like, hey, I've, I I know there's an orc unit there. Um, I know he's going to probably cast to jump on it and try to make a charge. Um, and the fact that the spell has a 24-inch range is fantastic because I can probably get within 24 inches of those orcs and just say, okay, they're not going anywhere. Like, you know, go ahead and try and charge me. Now, you know, despite the fact that you get to re-roll it, you're at minus one for your charge against me. Um, and, and that actually is pretty big. Yeah, the... Uh, I don't know, that's... And actually, it's not even... what Even better, it's not even... You have to get within 24 of the orcs. It's 24 of a terrain feature. Um, that they're within three inches of that that's even better and it works just like desecration of worlds so you can actually double in with both those spells and just go in on limiting the opponent's movement and that just like you said it's inverse duplicity you're you're essentially instead of you moving really good you're making them not move as good um, I think I, I again I think that kind of 
is not quite at the same level as duplicity just based on how well duplicity lets you move versus this kind of you're you're always going to be a little bit limited here and how much you can really bring down another army for example like harlequins um you know they're going to move really fast no matter what yeah but um, the warlord trade is great and the is. warlord trade especially on something that you, you know you juice up with you know a bunch more attacks um you're just you know the fact that you each unmodified uh hit roll of six gives you a mortal wound well all you got to do is just spam as many attacks as you can so you just basically find the combination in there of upgrades um weapon changes you can do you know anything that you can do to get bonus attacks uh relics whatever there you go i mean that will obviously give you just a whole bunch of stuff and you could basically just sling this big murder ball at something and just hope you do a bunch of mortal wounds and that helps you get through stuff like, you know, maybe blade guard or uh, death guard or something where, you know, Hey, my smites didn't go off really good. Well, there's your backup plan. Just charge them in, do a bunch of mortal wounds. Yeah. It's actually the uh, combination of the warlord trait, uh, the sorceress arcana, exalted mutation, uh, and then paradigm of change. Mm -hmm. And then the psychic power to get additional plus one attack. Um, on Exalted Sorcerer, mm -hmm. uh, gives you a surprisingly effective beat stick that just, just has the potential to shot a decent number mm -hmm. of rolls. Yeah, you're hitting on two, and you reroll your ones, and just you're hoping hoping to fish for some sixes. Yeah, and that's that's in addition to any of the other damage too. So you still get to do the rest of your attack sequence there. Yeah. Um. So the next cult. I would actually sort of want to look at is one that also gets talked about a lot it, and was actually fairly popular as sort of a, a niche cult in the previous codex as well. Uh, a cult of time. It's uh, a trap. It is, but there's something really funny you can do with it. That is the only reason why I bring it up. So cult of time only works with scarab cult terminators. Um, in a sort of general sense, the it, their thing is that they can cast power to revive one unit, one model at full wounds, and they have a they can res their warlord with a relic. It's actually pretty cool. And then I think there's a combination of like a psychic power and then a, it's a stratagem still. I think that allows you to heal models, and so. If you're going to take Cult of Time, which David said it's a trap, and I'm sure he can explain why here in a second. If I were to take Cult of Time, I would double down on it and just take a Vanguard detachment of Cult of Time. Like three squads of Scarab Cult Terminators. And that's pretty much all you can afford at that point, if I recall correctly. Um, and really just you're playing this the equivalent of the um, death guard terminator list which has its pros and cons but david go please go into why is true why is <laughs> why why is this a bad idea well okay so first of all you're getting one you're getting one model back yes the unit has to be alive to get that model back it does what are the chances of the unit still being alive 
I mean, if it's a Scarab Occult Terminator unit, depends on what's shooting at it, but I would say pretty decent against most things. All right. So let's say a five-man squad of Scarabs. I think there'll be plenty of stuff that can chew through them. I'm not saying they're they're unstoppable, but you're really only talking the difference mostly here in the fact that we have the ability to do minus one damage to them. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're really only five more wounds in the unit than there were previously. Okay, now that's that's nothing to sneeze at. I get it. Most of the stuff that we have out there is two or three damage weapons that, I mean, the plasma is a very good example of something that would just chew right through them as soon as you talk about throwing enough AP that you're at a five up save. Um, if you're if you're going to do that, you have the you have the stratagem to reduce the damage. I I get it. There, there's ways to defend them, but I think the the difficulty of removing five terminators is not something that is really scary for a lot of armies to to deal with. I think they look at that and just say, okay, they're going to come in, they're going to shoot, and then I should have something that can blast them off the table. The trap is that. Now you have to go and invest in more Terminators because you're looking at that and you're saying, all right, great. Well, I have to have 10 man blobs of Terminators. Great. Well, what's three 10 man blobs of Terminators? That's 1200 points. Um, Or even one big 10 man squad of Terminators is 400 points. So now you're, you've sunk 400 points into one blob. Um, Again, even in something like take blood angels, for example, your your 10-man blob of Scarab Occult now has to come in, get its points back, basically in the shooting phase, and then that's it, because they're dead after that. Um, or you have to play them so defensively that they're effectively removed from the game. Um, and then what's worse is, to keep them alive, the minus one damage strat is, again, only against range weapons, uh, and it's going to cost you three CP. And so now you're just going to be burning through command points to keep these things alive. So it, for very little reward, in my opinion, you get one model back. It's kind of like, great. I got one scare. I got three wounds back at most from this, from the spell. I can only use it on one unit. Um, I, I think I can, what there's a Kabbalistic uh, ritual to do it a second time. Right. Cause it's a blessing. Um, uh, so, so no. I psychic maelstrom is which fires only. It's which fires only. So, okay, so we don't have the ability to double cast blessings. No. That's Sorry. the echoes That's that ex- yeah thing. Yep, yep. So okay, so cancel that. You're not going to have that at all. So you're really just in a situation where, again, you're just dumping points into stuff and sure. you know. That's the trap, in my opinion. It forces yeah. you to go big into stuff to try and to justify it. Oh, and yeah. you're not going to get the you're not going to get the reward out of it. Yeah. Well, when, but the thing is, that's exactly what I'm suggesting is if you're going to run cult of time, and like really lean into it, you have to go big on it. Uh, I don't think it works otherwise. Um, it, it doesn't provide enough to allow you to really keep yeah, I the think, Terminators alive. 
I think, and I'm pretty sure we lost that stratagem that lets yeah, us. I, I just checked. Yeah. So losing that is a big deal because before it was, you could return a model and then you could get another model potentially. So there was, there, there was some degree of, Hey, I can really keep these guys kind of in the game a bit, but yeah. you, you weren't investing the type of points that you're investing right now in these guys. Um, and really it just comes down to the fact that what I, what I'm struggling with, with the terminators is what I talked about at the beginning of the, the podcast they're 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 taking away your ability to play your army a certain way so like to the last they take that away as sure. an option to play effectively in that in in that manner so as long as you have a strategy around that you know i think i think that's fine but i don't think cult of time is the best way to use them um i think you know there there's you're, I mean, you're sure. detrimenting yeah. the rest of your army essentially if you if each of the other cults time. we've already discussed also yeah. make excellent use of terminators if yeah. you are not trying to take things like to the last which i have no interest in taking that it just sounds so cool to people though that hey i get to revive my you know my terminators oh, sure. it's yeah you know but hey, if you're not playing a match play game, you go right ahead, do it all the time. You can cast yeah. that multiple times and just don't care. Yeah. But um, all right. So are we if we're talking tiers here of the cults, are there any more in this same tier or are we getting to a like is cult of time starting to cr- scratch us into the like a tier of yeah, I, I don't we're, want to say they're all traps, but like, well, no, I, I say we're at sort of the mean tier. You can yeah. build a thing of a a list around these cults, but there are they don't perform as well as in many situations as the previous four we've discussed. All right, but Mike, you got to explain to me why something like cult of manipulation, which we haven't talked about yet, why being able to fall back and shoot, uh, or sorry, <laughs> that's not their thing, right? Um, it's uh, what is it called? Cult of scheming, I think, that lets them fall back and choose. Yeah, that's uh, that's who it is. Yeah. Uh, so, so explain to me why cult of scheming, which we haven't talked about, fall back and shoot and charge in a turn in which they, you know, it fell back. Obviously, okay. Talk to me why this is a meme. A meme cult. Okay, so there's two reasons why. One is duplicity exists. So with duplicity, that unit that you just needed to fall back and shoot with, you can just teleport them back nine inches. And now they're able to shoot normally anyways. And they don't count as falling back. And they don't count as falling back. Uh, it does have a higher warp charge value, and you do have to be closer than see the strategy for than scheming does. But it mechanically does the same thing with having more utility. The other reason why this thing I don't really feel doesn't really do a ton is so for the fallback in charge, the only unit we have that's core that really cares about that are the rubric marines. No, not rubric. I'm um, the um, scarab occult terminators, which as you've already picked up on. Uh, have some issues with certain types of secondaries. Um, but the number of situations where being able to fall back 
and then shoot art. Very rare, I feel. Things that want to charge you, um, especially in the current meta where everything's multi-damage or anything like that, are probably just going to wipe out a squad of rubrics, even at two wounds. And so I don't think that the it, the psychic power, at least, has a lot of value. Yeah, it's like you're going to be now, waiting to use it, and you, that chance is you're going to be like, oh, yeah. man, if I had just survived with, like, more than two of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> So now there is a, a, some value here, sort of, a, I'll, I'll say, uh, synergy between seated strategy and psychic power and the warlord trait in that if you get charged and your warlord's there to uh, give the three inch, three inch, is that this tiny uh, aura to whatever he's falling back, they count as double models for purposes of, of objective security. So that would allow you to hold on to an objective for a turn longer. And if you fall back, you don't have to get nine inches away so you can continue to hold the objective. But that's such a like niche, like you, the, the stars have to align too far for that to ever really happen. Um, and then the relic is actually really cool. I'd, I'd almost consider taking a patrol of cultist scheming for the relic, and that it allows you to uh, reduce the command point cost of a stratagem to zero. So, it, for instance, uh, it would allow to use unwavering phalanx three, for three CP. Well, now that's zero CP. Yeah, that You're is very paying good. For the cost of your patrol by making use of that, you get one free CP out of it. I mean, the main problem is there's only, what, two stratagems that cost three? That and Coruscating Beam. Uh, oh, Webway Infiltration costs three if you put, uh, what, two units in reserve? But I, you actually can't even use it with Webway Infiltration because that one's before the game starts. So unless you have a good target for Unwavering Phalanx, I wouldn't consider scheming. Yeah. As anything more than, like, I would say, like, raw infantry spam. Like, I have six, 60 rubric brains. We will line up like gentlemen and walk forward. <laughs> is the list that Cultist Gaming really wants to play. Yeah. Uh, Cult of Change. Yeah. Nothing, yeah. nothing too great. I mean, like, so I mean, reducing the change. number of attacks on something is kind of cool, but yeah, I just, it, is so, it really going to make that big of a difference? I don't know. Here's my thing with Cult of Change. So Cult of Change is actually really good against certain armies, but those armies seems to be the ones that like to drop a 10-man unit of, of like Vanguard vets nine inches away and make a charge on six plus the uh, d6 uh, so you don't even get the chance to cast the attack uh, reduction mm -hmm. power and then their warlord trait fickle nature i believe is just a inferior version of the generic warlord trait except this one lets you fall back in as well 
it's like okay but if well aether stride i think is the one that it's similar to this one lets you re-roll charges i thought Aether stride lets you re-roll it used to it doesn't do that anymore all right Aether stride okay so let's compare the two fickle nature for cult of change you can re-roll charge rolls made for this warlord this warlord is eligible to shoot and charge in the turn in which it fell back. Okay, that's pretty decent. Ether Stride. Add three to the move characteristic of this warlord. This warlord is eligible to declare a charge in the turn in which it fell back. Each time this warlord makes a normal move, charge move, advance, or falls back, it can uh, move as though it had fly. So. Rerolling charges is great, but I'd rather have the extra movement. Unless I'm deep striking the character down, in which case, rerolling the charge is always. But, and I guess I, I must have misread something because I, I thought at some point, I thought I, would, I had read that it could advance and charge, but Aether Stride is not advance and charge. No. It is just fall back and charge. Yes. So, yeah, I, I don't particularly think Cult Change operates oh. particularly well in this. In regards to the second power of the uh, Warlord trait, the Sorceress Arcana Four is actually really cool. <laughs> you can uh, so once per battle round in the second uh, in the second phase, you can choose to have the Bear change a model psychic test so that if it's an ally, ones become sixes, and if it's an enemy, sixes become ones. That's really funny. And against the right army, that's actually really good. Um, even for Thousand Suns, it's potentially really good. Um, but the rest of Cult of Change, I just I don't have much use for. Um, For the previously stated reasons. Yeah. And I guess finally manipulation, which I had confused oh. with. Oh, manipulation. Scheming earlier. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Where do you, where do you want to start on this one? Because it's so. The psychic power is like fluffy. It does a mortal wound, and then. It subtracts two from psychic tests. So if you're in a meta that has lots of psychers, um, that's not terrible. But yeah. the problem is it only affects one unit, so it can't be against Grey Knights because they have so many psychers it almost doesn't matter. Uh, the Warlord trait is actually really good. Uh, it makes it so that when attacks are made against the Warlord, hit, wound, and damage rolls cannot be re-rolled. So if you put on a Demon Prince, they actually become more survivable against certain types of attacks. Uh, mostly I'm thinking like Sisters of, with the Zealot on everything or certain Space Marine builds. Don't uh, Mechanicum, their super list at the moment also has some rerolls baked in. 
I don't, I don't know. I don't pay attention. I think to Mars does. Yeah. Yep. And then there's their relic, Sorthus's mirror, which basically cheese in a zinch, if you think of it that way. It is, except it's only it's one infantry model. It is within engagement range, and it's done instead of fighting. So, but what's... you're really not restricted from picking a character, though, right? Sure. Well. Sort of. So yeah, the model attacks its own unit, which I guess with the character they would just attack themselves, uh, and until the it is resolved that the shoot has been a part of the army for all rules purposes. Um, if the result of these attacks uh, is that the enemy destroys its own unit, the bearer counts as having destroyed that unit. For all I purposes. think the big thing is it's it's instead of your bearer fighting, so you're putting yeah. this on something like a little sorcerer or something, and you're you're hoping that something like I don't know Gazgul comes charging in, you know, with a bunch of other stuff. Is and... Gazgul infantry still? I thought it was a monster. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. He is a monster. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, at the end of time, at the end of the day, yeah. So you, you're, you're hoping for some like infantry character or something right? comes in and you manage right. to tag him right. with this thing. It's it's not. Terrible, it's just unwieldy. It's just so just as planned that I'm sure it's yeah. gonna happen. And to whoever you are, hats off to you for pulling that off. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not saying it's not, I'm not saying it's useless, it's just that it's a little unwieldy. And <laughs> so, I tried to pull something similar to this, uh, one time against um, the manager at one of the games workshop stores I used to play at during the end times. Where I had this thing, where on a two plus I won, but on a one I lost, and he charged in the gas into this unit. It's like okay, moment of truth. I rolled the dice. I rolled a one. Like okay, I can re-roll it. I rolled the dice. I rolled another one, and the gas just plowed through the unit and killed my entire army. Like that's what this mirror reminds me of. Is I I know that somehow. This sorcerer is gonna like get into that key position where like Caldor Drago charges in, and your sorcerer heroically intervenes and shines the mirror in his face, and then the sorcerer fails to roll higher. Than, like I think that's how it works. You have to is there a roll? No, but like the, the thing just completely whiffs. It's like all right, and now he dies. But it is. I mean, if you think about it, like fluff wise, or it oh, actually sure. happening on the battlefield, it'd be kind of funny. It's just, I mean, Smash Captain just smashes himself over the head. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Captain, why did he do that? <laughs> <laughs> the codex does not approve of it. Does not support this. <laughs> yep. Well, Mike, uh, closing thoughts on this. I mean. I think if you're going to build your list right now, cults are obviously the reason we went through this whole exercise. They're at the core of what you're going to do because yep. they're going to drive how your how your army behaves. They're kind of like the the flavor, right? Um, yeah. And and the rest of everything, you've got artifacts and warlord traits and stuff like that that are going to work across all of them. So it's really just a matter of okay, how are you going to actually make really good use of your cult powers here? And again, I think I think you nailed it in that duplicity and knowledge are the two that are really at the top of the top of the spectrum here mm -hmm. um, and that you really can't go wrong at least from a starting point and go and using those i mean obviously some of these other cults we you know as we covered there's stuff you can do with it as my categories but um 
you know, there, there's nothing stopping you from getting into some of these other, you know, cult of magic. You could, you could find some yeah. way to make it work, but I, I think you're mostly going to see when you start seeing like competitive lists out there, you're mostly going to see folks really gravitating for towards duplicity or knowledge just from a, I can either sit back and shoot a lot or I can basically just move all over the board. Yeah. Um, and there is one thing that if you're wanting to be like, make a strong list, your choice of cult informs what you're going to be taking in a very real sense. The The main thing is that the with Cult of Duplicity, you don't need certain, like rhinos. There's no reason to take rhinos if you're Cult of Duplicity. Um, and, but you're well, going actually, to want to... Well, actually, you, you could justify rhinos because sure, you, but, need to, you need to get some stuff up the board that you can't jump, right? Maybe. I mean, it's, a, it's debatable. Uh, it depends on sort of what your game plan is, but I, I think that with taking the right combinations of units, like um, what we go, uh, chaos spawn or even the Zengor enlightened, to if you're wanting, depending on what secondaries you're aiming for, if you're like wanting to engage in all fronts, then you only need to buy yourself one turn of getting people into weird positions before you can just duplicity a second unit. Um, and so I think as much as I, I love including rhinos in my lists because of everything that they bring to an army and really the fact that people have hated on rhinos for so long is like, yes, I brought rhinos and I beat you with them. <laughs> um, I would actually have to think hard about including a rhino in the duplicity list because of the limitations on the duplicity power. It's actually the, 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 it's the one thing that is sort of not in duplicity's favor is the limitations on the power itself, the fact that it only affects infantry and monsters. That would inform my list building to focus on bringing core units that are infantry and monsters um, to sort of maximize on codex synergy. Uh, with Cult of Knowledge, part of the reason why I like it so much, and I think I mentioned this earlier, is that it, it's completely open as to what you want to use it with. Regardless of what shooting, you're going to reroll once. And that opens up the rest of the codex, in my opinion, to allow you to take some of these units out of our poor, neglected, heavy support section um, and actually let them see the table. Um, well, obviously, the, the one cult we're missing out on here um, is the cult of Magnus did nothing wrong, right? Oh, well, we, I mean, I don't know how anyone could have forgotten <laughs> that. I'm sure if you combine enough letters out of these other cult names, you could make a Magnus did nothing wrong cult. It, you gain all of the cults. All of it. Man, how awesome would that have been? It's like, Magnus is all cults. Magnus is cult. It's like, <laughs> there we go. Yep. Yep, that would make sense, but we didn't get it. But, no. Uh, well, guys, this is part two, uh, where obviously we got more parts coming. Uh, we're going to just keep dissecting the codex. Um, I think by next time, I will have gotten some games in, finally, yep. with the new army. Um, Mike, I don't know if you're going to continue playing, playing around with the new codex or not, but... 
I have I mean, a feeling that's like my intention. I bought two fortunes. Well, I I mean, it sounds like this weekend's going to be flooded with thousand suns at our uh, our local tournament. So I expect a thousand suns of green knights. Should be a good time. I will go ahead and now tailor my list and go pick up uh, what cult of Mu- manipulation again, so that I can oh, actually go no. and counter you. How so. how could I have not seen this coming? <laughs> Finally, I worked cult of knowledge. Oh. I knew you were going to. Bracket bracket.